Everyone has an opinion when it comes to having a baby and raising kids. Just get the epidural. There's no prize for doing it natural. In my day, we just let the baby cry until they settle themselves down. Have you tried sage oil? And so many more comments, most of them unsolicited. Welcome to the Birth and Parenting Things podcast. My name is Kim, and I've got opinions too. I'm kind of an expert on birth. I've also managed to raise three babies into young adults. I'm here to offer evidence-based information, stories, personal experiences on birth, parenting, and everything in between. So let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to, what the hell is my podcast name? <laughs> birth and Parenting Things Podcast. Um, I think I might actually just change this to be Sandwich Generation, because that's pretty much the way my life is going these days. So it's Father's Day. I'm recording this on Father's Day. And the reason why I'm recording this on Father's Day is because I'm actually alone. I'm not a father, so, and I don't have a father anymore. My dad passed a number of years ago and my children are with their dad. So one of the benefits of being uh, separated, divorced, not with uh, their partner is uh, I get a day off. And let's be honest, since this pandemic started and with all the restrictions and rules and everything like that, my kids have really only been at their dad's, I think maybe in the last year and a half, six times, maybe less than 10 for sure. Um, they used to go two to three times a week, which would always give me sort of a night off or a break off, um, things like that. And it was beneficial um, to, you know, get stuff done. And now that I'm trying to put my business uh, more online and virtual as opposed to um, in person, I'm doing a lot more stuff at home, which means I am home with my children so much. And look, I don't want anybody to think this uh, in a negative way. I love my children incredibly so much, and I will literally walk over broken glass for them. They are my reason for getting up in the day. Uh, but like, gotta be honest, it's been, this pandemic has been really, really hard in trying to maintain having somebody with you all the time you know you're you're there as well I know that you're that you've sort of been through this as well so as I say it's Father's Day my kids are with their dad and actually they're at their grandparents his parents right now um, which means they'll be on their way here soon so I'm gonna try and pop out this podcast before <laughs> anybody comes home and I have to start being mom again so couple things that happened this week. So on Monday, I had sat down. I was like, okay, I'm going to do all this stuff for my business. I'm going to do some recording because I'm trying to make videos and, and create online courses that can be shared really around the world, really. Um, but for, uh, so I don't actually have to teach classes and be in person. And of course, anytime I plan anything out, uh, the shit usually hits the fan. I should probably edit that, that out. I don't like to label this as an explicit uh, podcast. But um, so my uncle, who I talked about last week, um, he went into the hospital on Monday. Now, normally when he goes into the hospital, it's always incredibly concerning because he does have COPD and 
I think really, you know, anytime he goes in, I'm, I'm always, you know, gravely concerned that he won't actually come back out. And I, I think that's his big concern too. He has these, this belief that once he goes in, that's it. So he, he rarely tries to go in. He rarely wants to go in. So on Monday, I guess, yeah, he was really not feeling super great with his breathing. He has very erratic, um, his oxygen levels are really good, but he has very, uh, rapid breathing. And I, I think a lot of it actually has to, has to do with stress and it has to do with panic attacks. So, and I can understand that he's living alone and, you know, he's really doesn't have a whole lot of friends. My aunt was the main person in his life and, uh, she was the one that had all the friends and whatnot. And of course she died, uh, it'll be three years ago this summer. Um, so yeah, he's, he's alone and, and I, I can only do so much. I'm me and my mom are the only family we have left. And my mom is basically useless. I love her. Don't get me wrong. Um, but she can't physically help him. And for some reason she refuses to call him. So she's no help to me. So I went over and we pushed the button and he had, you know, very rapid breathing and they took him into the hospital. And as I say, normally when he goes in, he actually stays, but this time they actually let him out. So I spent most of the day, you know, waiting for calls from doctors and obviously being worried. And then Monday night, he came out um, and, and was brought home, which was good. And then he was started on some steroids, which is good too. I mean, these steroids usually make him feel really good. Um, but he can't be on them always, which is unfortunate. So that happened. And then what's happened? Oh, so Tuesday. So I don't know. He started the, he started the steroids on Tuesday after I brought the, uh, no, he started them Tuesday morning cause he had some leftover from the last time and he hates taking pills. He's like so afraid to take pills. So one of the things that the doctor prescribed was a narcotic to help slow his breathing down. And of course, this is great. No problem. Which reminds me, I need to add to my grocery list. Um, but he, he takes his own medication. And when I was finished with the pharmacist about hearing all the complications and potential things that could happen to him, I'm like, Oh my God, no, I can't. I basically don't, I basically gave him the medication. And of course they didn't have the right dosage. So I had to cut the pills in half, which were the size of like teeny, teeny, tiny pills that when you cut them in half, they basically disintegrated. So I'm like, um, no, he cannot be responsible for these things. The man's going to end up going into an overdose. And did the did they give us a nar- uh, naloxone kit? No. What the hell? So I basically gave him the medication um, and this one pill that was broken up into three and was like, do not take this. Do not take this. You only take it when I tell you to take it. You do not take it every day. You take it when I tell you to take it. In fact, if you need to take it, I will come over and give it to you. So he calls me the next day, he calls me on Wednesday. And of course, I guess the steroids haven't really kicked in yet into his brain. And he's like, 
Those pills you gave me. When am I supposed to take them? In the morning? No, you do not take them at all. Please do not take them. I am not dealing with an overdose 100%. So he's the man. So so one of the things that he went to the hospital for as well is that he was having vision problems. He was having floaters and visual disturbances. Now, of course, I tell the, I tell the uh, paramedics that he's the person on the phone, the paramedic, uh, I guess, distributor? No, the person who sends the paramedics out, um, that he's having visual disturbances. And the guy on the other end of the line is like, so is he like seeing people that aren't there? I'm like, no, like he's seeing like sparkles and, you know, lights and things. So he's not having like, you know, there aren't like people there that are talking to him. I'm like, Jesus, is that what I said? No. He's basically seeing floaters and sparklers in his in his vision. Okay. So they did, and he had had a fall. I never, I can't remember if I mentioned this on this podcast, but he had had a fall probably over a month ago now, but again, refused to go to the hospital. But he also thought that maybe he had a concussion. So like a month later, he's still asking me like, what are the, what are the signs of a, of a concussion? I'm like, well, you don't have any of them. So don't worry about it. But they did do a scan of his head because he never told me about the visual issues. Now, in hindsight, I'm thinking, is he, was he just telling me about those visual things? Because they did a scan of his brain and his brain is fine. There's no issues at all. So that makes me feel a little better because I thought, well, maybe he's having like these little mini strokes and maybe that's why he fell because we never knew why he fell. But his brain is fine. Thank God. Good. So they gave us a, uh, what do you call it? A requisition or a referral to a uh, ophthalmologist. Now, of course, he has an ophthalmologist who he hates, but this was not who the referral was for. So I thought, great, we can go to a different ophthalmologist. Well, if on Wednesday, um, Wednesday, no, so Tuesday, the doctor's office calls and says, you have an appointment tomorrow at four o'clock. I'm like, uh, no, not tomorrow, four o'clock. Like I have to work. I work every single Wednesday night to teach classes. And Wednesday nights are, Wednesday and Thursday nights, I can't do anything. So they said, well, the appointment's at four o'clock. And I go, well, can't we have another time? And they said, well, the, um, this was an emer- a referral from the emergency room, so they really want to get him in quickly. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, well, now that sounds serious. Okay. So I said, well, how long is the appointment? And they're like, about an hour. And I thought, well, okay, if I go for four, maybe a little bit before, if we can get out by 5, 5.30, then I should be okay. So we go. And of course, my uncle, this is a doctor we haven't been to before, who we think we haven't been to before. It turns out it's his old ophthalmologist. I don't know how that happened. But we're on our way there. And he's like, well, where are we going? And I go, well, we're going to this, this, and I give him the address. He goes, well, how are we getting there? And I go, well, I'm 
following the Google Maps. Like I put it into Google Maps and Google's going to tell me how to get there. So we're driving along. And of course, one of the, the roads that we have to go along uh, potentially would be Eglinton. But Eglinton is such a mess, particularly at 4 o'clock in the afternoon or 3.30 in the afternoon. So I'm taking kind of the back roads. And he's like, well, how are we going through here? Why are you going through? Eglinton's over there. I'm like, Uncle Harry? without my brain exploding, I'm following the map. I'm following Google Maps. The phone is telling me where I'm going. (laughs) Well, fine. So in the middle of all this, he's kind of, you know, yelling at me and side seat driving. And I miss my turn. So I have to go into an area, a bunch of apartment buildings in their parking lot and turn around and come back out. And he goes, well, I didn't know there were apartment buildings here. Like, well, there's been apartment buildings here for, you know, ever. My grandfather used to live in these apartment buildings and that guy died like 20 years ago. Um, Well, like, like he's affronted that there's, (laughs) that there's apartment buildings in this area. Like, okay, whatever. So we finally get to the place and he's, you know, being incredibly gruff and rolling his eyes. I'm amazed. I'm actually not surprised he has vision issues with all the eye rolling that he does. So we get in and we wait and we wait and we wait and four o'clock comes and four o'clock goes. And another guy gets up and says, who's been waiting, his appointment is 15 minutes before ours. And they say, well, the doctor's running behind. Well, we get to like quarter to five and we still have not been in to see the doctor. Like it's a two-step process. You go in and see somebody and they do tests on your eyes and then you go in to see the doctor. So at this point, this doctor is like over an hour behind schedule and I got to work. So... Normally, when things like this happen, I'm actually fairly good. I'm like, I don't mind waiting. Like, I don't mind. I get that people get behind. I think an hour behind is probably beyond ridiculous. But I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to maintain positivity. I'm trying to maintain, you know, a sense of calm and and positiveness and then, but my uncle's just not having any of it. So we ended up leaving and making, and they're like, well, the next appointment we have is like at, um, is in August. And I go, okay, well, I turn to my uncle and I go, you're not going blind, right? Okay, no, then we're going to go. And it's like, they're go- they go, well, we can make you a later appointment. What, like later in the night? no, are you missing what I'm telling you here? I have to go to work. Like I have to work so I can make money so I don't lose my house and I don't get fired because this is literally, because of the pandemic, this is the only money I literally have coming in. So no, we're not. You can make it. And they're like, well, if it, if anything happens and you need to come home, you need to come in earlier, just let us know. I'm like, okay, well, we will. Well, he grumbles and mumbles and whatnot all the way home and I'm like, I can't even with all this negativity. And now I got to go to class and be happy and good and, you know, positive. I I don't know how I maintain that in my life on a daily basis. So that was the, and then let's see. So next week 
we're going, I'm taking him for a second shot. So he calls me, <laughs> God, he calls me on Friday, Thursday or Friday and says, how long were we in that doctor's office for? And I go, well, maybe like two hours. I think we were there like, um, well, no, we got there about quarter or I picked him up at 3.15 and we got home to his place about 5.15. So we were, we had left the house for about two hours. So he's on oxygen. So he always needs to make sure that he has enough oxygen. And he goes, okay, I want to make sure I have enough oxygen for the next appointment. You mean the next appointment on the 20th of August, which is literally a, almost two months away? Sure. Yeah, that's good. Make sure you, you have enough oxygen. Um, and next week, so he wants to make sure he has enough oxygen as well for next week where he gets his second shot, which will be another torturous day of eye rolling where he actually has to wait in line. I've never seen such white man privilege where he doesn't understand why people aren't just jumping to attention. And to be honest, I never expected this from him, but it's like the older he gets, the more he expects things to be instantaneous. And I had sent an email to his respirologist to say, to explain what happened and to let them know that they had put him on this narcotic. And of course, his doctor's respirologist is also like head of the ER medicine at uh, a very prominent Toronto hospital. And it's, I sent the email on Wednesday, maybe? Yeah, maybe Wednesday. And she hasn't responded yet. Shock, this incredibly important person has not responded yet who probably gets like 8,000 emails a day. And he's blown away by this. Why hasn't she responded? Like, I don't know what to tell you. The only way that we're going to be able to actually speak to her is to set up an appointment. So we can do that. But she's not going to just necessarily respond to an email. Maybe she will at some point, but you're going to have to give it some time. Nope. This is, this is completely unacceptable to him. And let's be honest, he actually likes this doctor. Oh my God, it's exhausting. Being in the sandwich generation is exhausting. And on top of it all, my middle son has gotten a job, I think, um, and is going for training uh, this week at seven o'clock. And I have to, I have to drive him there because it's, we're not really comfortable with taking transit yet. Um, and he hasn't had his second shot yet. So I'm going to drive him, but I have to enlist my mom to drive him. And then on the Thursday night, we have a scheduling conflict because I have to teach. My mom has her second shot and he also has to go into work. I'm like, well, I can take you an hour early and you can sit in the restaurant and wait or you can try and get one of your friends because I can pick you up, but I can't take you. So it that has been more sort of stress sort of added on, which is fine. I mean, they're my children. I love them and I will do anything for them. But I need them to drive. I need them to learn how to drive. So I threw myself on, on the mercy of my ex-husband, who, let's be completely honest, I'm not a fan of. 
And I basically, I hate asking for help. (laughs) I'm one of these people that hates asking for help. So I ask him if he can, um, if he can, you know, this summer, because he's a teacher, he's not doing anything in the summer. I mean, he's moving with his ridiculous girlfriend um, into a new house, but he's basically free most of the summer and in between the kids work schedules and things like that you know could he help them get their driver's license like even their g1 i don't care how much it costs i will pay for it i don't care but i need these guys to know how to drive because i can't keep doing and i have two cars i have one car that does not move in fact i have to actually get the battery changed because it hasn't moved since the pandemic started um but like seriously and he was and I I didn't want to ask him this but he was like yeah no problem I will absolutely be there I was like wow great that would be awesome thank you and where I got resistance was from the kids like oh my god no no guys look I don't care I need help I can't keep doing this I can't keep being the go-to for everybody for every tiny little thing there's things like getting you know your dad to help you to learn how to drive I need you to be on board for this please don't give me resistance on this so I haven't heard anything about it this was Saturday they went to their dad Saturday night and it is now currently Sunday so here's hoping that this summer at least by the end of the summer they have their bloody g1 because I cannot keep driving them everywhere It's, I need a break. So this particular uh, podcast, I think, was going to be about the first sort of week after birth. Um, And I had, so I had a client have her baby uh, last week, last Sunday, actually, it's been a week, so the baby's a week old. And... I also had another uh, client call um, a few days after, baby was about five days old. I've started to notice a trend and a pattern, or we've started, I mean, I think I knew it was already there before, but you kind of leave the hospital after you have a baby. I mean, this is obviously going to be different for midwifery care, where they take a little bit more care of you and come to your home, at least in the first couple of weeks. But when you have hospital care, you basically go in, you stay your 24 hours or your two nights if you've had a cesarean birth, and then see ya. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. That's it. And then you're home and you're kind of left. And maybe you have family helping you, and that is awesome, and that is great. However, in this one particular case, the the grandmother had come to help out. So the baby's grandmother had come. The I think it was the birthing parent's mother had come, who was a nurse. Great, fabulous, love it. However, when they were when baby was sleeping. And they were down for a rest. The grandmother's hunting around looking for formula. Well, they're breastfeeding. There is no formula. And kept asking, well, where's the formula? Where's the formula? Why aren't there bottles? Where are the bottles? Well, let's just throw all this out there and actually, you know, put wrenches into the system of breastfeeding. Like you're basically who doubting this parent's ability to breastfeed 
by the one person who they look up to most, potentially. Great. Let's just start undermining breastfeeding from day two. Okay, no problem. Then my other client had come, well, and and I had talked to them and was like, okay, no, your milk is going to come in. This is only day two. Your milk is going to come in. Baby is up. They're awake. They're latching. Great. Why don't you call me back at the next feed and we'll have a look and we'll make sure that we can see swallows and all of that stuff. And I didn't hear from them. I suspect there may have been some uh, pushback from the mother about feeding and whatnot. And I think it's important to remember for me as a doula, if you decide at any point in time to give a bottle, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I do not care. Let's talk about that and let's make sure that you're doing that safely because you, you may have questions about bottles as well. If you choose not to breastfeed, if you choose to supplement, if you choose to combination feed, I'm there. I support that. You do whatever you do whatever you want to do. Um, I did it. I mean, my first son was barely breastfed. I mean, I think the boob sort of maybe made it into his mouth a few times and that was the end of that. My second son was breastfed a little bit longer, maybe six months, and then I had to go back to work. Um, did I go back to work? No, I had a year off with him. But then we, we switched to formula. And then with my daughter, I went a little bit longer. But then again, solid food and we went to formula. I don't, I don't care. I, I'd be a hypocrite if you thought that I was going to tell you to, to breastfeed at all costs. Never have I said that. So whatever. It is what it is. Um, baby's a week old. I haven't heard from my client since. Not happy. I have reached out to them a couple times, but haven't heard anything. Anyways, so the the next client I heard from uh, earlier this week, they're not a client actually. They had been in my in my uh, class in my uh, what do you call it? My prenatal class, and they felt like everything was going great and then went to the doctor and the doctor said that the baby had lost more weight and but everything was fine and to go home so at this point though her milk had come in baby was refusing the breast not latching on falling asleep instantaneously and baby had lost six more percent after leaving the hospital and this doctor was quote-unquote not concerned Well, as a doula, I'm actually concerned because now this baby isn't waking up to feed and is falling asleep instantaneously and has not had the output that they should be having at day five. um, End of day five, they had only had three wet diapers, lightly wet diapers. Now, we hadn't gotten into dehydration yet, but this was not looking good. So... I talked to them about, you know, we got to get some food into this baby. And at this point, I can't come to them. I'm not doing in-person support. But let's talk to a lactation consultant. I gave them the name of a lactation consultant that I love and trust. And I said, let's pump. Let's just pump or get some formula and get it into baby. So he ended up doing that and baby took food and that made the birthing parent feel so much better. She was in tears at this point, you know, that, you know, her baby was starving and whatnot. And, and that's sort of what we see, but we've sort of created a system, a medical system where we're sending families out the door and it's like, yep, 
good luck to you. Have fun. See you later. Bye. But we haven't given them the resources in place to actually make that successful. And the resources that are available are scarce and stretched to stretch to the limit. So I think it's important to have, you know, I don't think everybody will need or everybody will want a postpartum doula or postpartum support because maybe you do have really good family support and all of that. And I get that. But sometimes just having an expert on the other end of the phone or someone you can talk to or someone you can video chat with about what's going on with your baby can be very beneficial. And I think we we look at, we send you home with this baby and maybe I'll talk about uh, second night syndrome in another, in actually the next episode. But you get these babies that, you know, have been through a whole lot in, you know, 24, 48 hours. And they want to be held and they want to be supported of it and they need to feed constantly and all of this stuff. So yeah, how do you navigate that and how do you get the sleep and how do you, you know, how do you do all that? Well, it's hard. And if you don't have somebody who can tell you that, yes, this is normal or no, this is not normal and we need to fix this that can be very difficult. And navigating the internet when you are stressed and crying and your baby is crying and all manner of bad things are happening around you, that's not necessarily good either. So anyways, I hope and I encourage and I pray that um, you can get for yourself some support from somewhere after you've had your baby. Um. I think my kids are probably going to be coming home soon. So I think next week I will uh, I will talk about, uh, maybe go through uh, in more minute detail um, what happens in the first few days, first few, first week or so when you come home and, and what to expect. I'll write it all out this time. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So that's that. Uh Short and sweet, just because I've got so much on my plate and my house is about to be invaded by three grown-ass children. And uh, I think I will maybe get myself a cup of tea and chill for the rest of the afternoon. Oh, you know what? I might bake some cookies. I have some I have some pre-made cookies already in the, in the fridge. So some Pillsbury pre-made cookies. Yeah, I'm that mom. <laughs> Anyways, uh, while this won't be airing on Father's Day, I hope everybody has a great Father's Day. If you have a father, if you are a father, awesome. Um, I, yeah. So anyways, awesome. Thank you for listening to the seven people that listen to this podcast. Uh, I've lost all of Bermuda. I'm no longer on the Bermuda charts. I was there actually quite a while quite impressed um but yeah Bermuda's left me now too okay I get it I'm not sad maybe a little sad anyways um why do I do this I don't know (laughs) maybe one day one day it'll all make sense all right have a good one everybody stay safe wash your hands still stay six feet apart still be kind to one another And remember, raising children, raising babies is hard, but you don't have to be perfect.